Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, Manhattan Beach Chamber 360, COVID-19 series. On Tuesday, Tuesday, May 12th, 2020, live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, even in the toughest times during this COVID-19 pandemic. The South Bay Show is brought to you by the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce. The Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce has been serving the city of Manhattan Beach for over 60 years, and they are dedicated to promoting a strong local economy by supporting the community, providing valuable business connections, and representing business with government. The Chamber staff is focused on providing its membership with the tools and resources to help businesses grow and thrive within the community. Their goal is to continually support the individual efforts of business as they work to support the growth of the local economy. For more information on how the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce is working with member businesses and the city of Manhattan Beach to support that growth, visit the website at manhattanbeachchamber.com or call 310-545-5313. I'm your host, Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose, that's what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. Joining us as co-host, the president, CEO of the Manhattan Beach Chamber, Kelly Stroman. This is an ongoing series on Tuesday mornings to bring the most relevant and impactful information to you every week with a special emphasis on the COVID-19 pandemic as it relates to your life and your business in South Bay and Manhattan Beach in particular. Hey, Kelly, how are you today? Good morning, Joe. I am lovely. How are you? Well, we're opening up. We can tell that the signs are everywhere. Um, Actually, uh, I think L.A. County beaches, you can actually walk or run, just don't stop. (laughs) Isn't that a song? (laughs) Walk or run, don't stop? I think it is, like an old 60s, you know, song or something. Um, Yes, they, tomorrow, they are opening officially. And there are several regulations that anybody that wishes to go down and partake um, should abide by, be aware of, and abide by. Um, Mostly, you know, in a nutshell, they want you moving on the beach. They don't want you sitting, sunbathing, um, beach chairs, umbrellas, coolers, things of those nature are not allowed because they are typically associated with people congregating in groups and they're trying to keep people you know spread out um they want you moving they want you exercising they but volleyball is not allowed because um i you know they feel like that also encourages people to congregate um so go swimming you know go play in the ocean um but don't sit underneath an umbrella <laughs> uh but wear your sunscreen <laughs> Because everybody's been inside so much, so definitely wear that sunscreen. Uh, You should anyways, but um, it is, you know, one small step in a very positive direction. Uh, The Strand, and in our case in Manhattan Beach, um, the walking path or, you know, we have kind of two strands. We have the bike path and we have the walking path. Um, Neither one of those is open yet other than to cross on your way to the beach. So... Mm -hmm. Um, be careful, and um, please, I think the hours, if I'm right, are 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. I know every night um, people have not been following the rules, and they're still flocking down literally by the hundreds, if not thousands, um, to the beach to watch the, the, you know, the blue bioluminescence because the red tide is still with us. But um, masks are required, apparently, when you are not in the water, and, um, you know, they want everybody to obviously show social distance and enjoy, but, um, you know, abide by all the restrictions. So 
It's one right. small right. positive step in the direction. There's a lot of chatter on social media, Facebook, you know, Instagram, particularly Twitter, whatever, next door, you know, that they feel people are not happy with the restrictions. Some are happy that they're able to go down. Others are not. Um, you know, no surprise there. We can't please everybody. Right. But um, that is the way it is right now. And hopefully, if it all goes well and cases in our area do not spike, um, we're currently we're at 69 cases in Manhattan Beach. Um, but it's really it's more so for the county, not just Manhattan Beach. Um, hopefully, you know, in weeks to come, we'll be able to do even more on the beach. Um, I know everybody wants that. So um, it's a right. big step in the right direction. And then, of course, last Friday was the first day of phase or level two um, in the economic recovery plan of the state. And that um, officially allowed certain retail stores um, to, you know, open up and offer curbside um, service. And so I saw a lot of retail stores, not all of them, um, opening their doors, you know, pushing a table up to the door and either delivering kind of that way anything anybody purchased online or, you know, customers can kind of go up to the door, look in <laughs> and say, I want one of those and one of those and one of those and buy it on the spot too. So, it's not, you know, again, it's a small step in the right direction, um, certainly not enough to um, allow these retailers to start uh you know churning the you know the curve and getting back on their financial feet but again it's one step in in a positive direction there is signs of movement there um golf courses i know opened um and a few other things but um it's exciting you know that at least we're dialoguing about that and we're seeing a little bit i know a lot of, of the trails opened up although i think the trails in palos verdes stayed closed maybe i'm not sure on that do you know about that joe mm. I do not know about that. Are you talking about like in the Palos Verdes Land Conservancy? Yeah, like all the hiking trails. And I know several of the L.A. hiking trails opened up, obviously, with social distancing and masking and all that. And right. um, it was funny. Right. My boys from Mother's Day were like, hey, Mom, what do you want to do? And I'm like, you know, at, this was like a week ago. And I'm like, yeah, gosh, it would be really nice to get out and go somewhere different. And my one's like, let's go hiking. And I'm like, okay. Then I'm like, wait a minute, no, because everybody is going to be doing that. Just like everybody's probably going to be flocking to the beach this weekend. Um, <laughs> so we we opted not to do that, you know, um, I, and uh, personally, hiking, you know, a, a trail uh, with a mask on doesn't um, appeal to me. I like hot and breathing in your, your your own air. So I just stayed off of it. You know, it's just my choice. And right. I'm like, oh, no, right. we'll, we'll do something else. Um, no, anyway. uh, the, the Palos Verdes, the, the, our favorite trails, I mean, there's the beach, obviously, and the ocean, and that's all wonderful. But our favorite trails locally are in the Palos Verdes Land Conservancy, Palos Verdes Peninsula Land Conservancy control, and they've been open since uh, May 9th. Oh. Face coverings and six feet social distancing. Okay, well, they're the same as the LA Trail, so there you go. Right. Um, right. You know, I'm sure they were very busy because it was a beautiful weekend, too, you know, and right. we all like our outdoors, and we all are just craving to get back to what we know and love and what brings us pleasure, and, you know, things like the beach, things like the Strand, um, places like the trails, you know, are all kind of happy places for all of us, too. Oh. So. Now, Anyways, uh, actually, I, I, I misspoke. It's the city of Rolling Hills Estates face coverings and six feet social distance, but uh, the city of Rancho Palos Verdes trails, uh, those are still, they still remain closed according to the website. Okay. Rolling Hills Estates, RHE, open, social distancing, face coverings, uh, RPV closed until further notice. Yeah, yeah, so it's still, you know, it's, <laughs> You have to check. Check before you go. Um, that is yeah. for, for sure. But I do also want to remind people, anybody that's listening, that you know the beaches are um, controlled, you know, by the state of California and then uh, the LA County um, Department of Public Health. So uh, it's it's not um, a choice. 
um, that the you know the, the local government here in Manhattan Beach can make whether or not to open our beaches, and the regulations do definitely come, you know, from the LA County and from the state. They can augment certain things, um, but um, people always get so mad, you know, at, at our local government. And I'm like, you you know, it's important to you know to voice your concerns because they can relay that to the people you know that are above them at the county and the state level, but. Um, this is a process, and I do know all the South Bay mayors um, got together, you know, to collectively talk about, um, you know, how to band together and open the beaches in South Bay and be on the same page as far as regulations, what have you. So um, right. there you have it. You know, nothing okay. new about uh, the new. There, there is no new normal. We got to find a new term for that. I've seen all different things floating around, but it, it's not. It's not even normal, and it's not even a new normal. It's just one phase, and. Uh, I'm not sure at what point we'll be able to say this is the new normal, but um, again, it's a step step in a positive direction. So, you know, there you so have it. So any other announcements from the chamber? Oh, I have a big one. Um, yes. Oh. Today, the Manhattan Beach Farmers Market reopens. Uh, oh. Modified hours, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Usually they go to 4 or 5 p.m. depending on the time of the year. Um, this is going to be a controlled entry from one direction, which is off of Morningside, and uh, 13th, which is kind of the, the, the western end of the market. Um, they're going to control the amount of people that are going in and, in and out. Um, you know, of course, you have to be wearing your mask. Um, and, you know, uh, when you're going up to a vendor, uh, observe, you know, six-foot distancing and, and all of that with other customers and what have you. And I believe most of the produce vendors will be uh, touching and bagging the produce, you know, for you with gloves, obviously. You're not going to be able to, mm. I don't think, pick up and smell and, you know, look at fruit and, you know, squeeze it, see if it's ripe or mm. anything. I think that's going to be controlled. Mm. But, again, another very positive step. I think um, people are thrilled to have our, our, our farmer's market back. I don't believe uh, most of the most of any of the hot food vendors will be there. I think it's more of the, um, the grocery style, you know, the, the produce and some of the packaged goods too. So another um, huge sign. So if you're listening and you're in this area, please come down to the Manhattan Beach Farmers Market today from 11 to 3 p.m. But bring your mask and um, be prepared, you know, to social distance. Right, right. All right, I'm prepared. <laughs> I'm I'm dying now, to get my fresh arugula and spinach. I mean, I, hey, I I can buy it at the store, but it's not quite the same. And uh, the the guy who ABC Farms who has the best in herbs and everything, and just the smell of it, it's going to make me happy when I get over there. So, simple pleasures. So Kelly, as always, you bring me one of the most uh, you know amazing stories that we have here in the South Bay because. We've all watched the news. This is like the ninth week, going into the ninth week, eighth week. We've all watched the news about uh, most of the of the states shutting down public education to some degree. There's some opening, it largely, of course, in LA Unified is going to be largely opened uh, in June, but it still will be online. There isn't still quite a plan for physical uh, opening of the of the public school systems, but we all know there's public education and there's private education, and these two worlds operate differently, especially on the fiscal side. So we're gonna we're gonna be very interested in how that's going, and then of course there's the educational side, uh, reaching and and touching students and and keeping them engaged, and and then you know. The, the big news of the year has been the graduation ceremonies that have been canceled or modified and, and how, how, you know, horrible it's been for athletes uh, in this year when, when this is a, you know, for, especially for a graduating athlete, this is a, a, a development year, a, a transition year so that colleges can see them and all that. We're going to talk about all of that, aren't we, Kelly? We are. We Our guests are all from Marymount California University, was, which is tucked away up in um, Palos Verdes. A lot of people don't even know it's there. So um, we're going to have a, a really uh, smart, interesting conversation uh, with three different guests today. Shall I? Great. Yes, please. 
Okay. Our first guest is Brian Marcotte. Uh, Brian is the president of Marymount California University. He became the eighth president in 2018 after having served eight years on its board of trustees. An experienced executive, Marcotte retired as CEO of Titan Oil Recovery Incorporated and previously was a corporate vice president of public policy, health environment, and safety at Unical Corporation, a multinational energy resources company. In addition to his role as its president of international energy operations for the Netherlands, Indonesia, and Thailand. Marcotte has served as a member and vice chairman of the Petroleum Institute of Thailand's Council of Trustees, member of the Thailand Development Research Institute, president of the board of directors for the Indonesian Petroleum Association, the board of management for the American Indonesian Exchange Foundation, and the University of Southern California, Verderby, uh, I might have mispronounced that, I apologize if I did, School of Engineering Dean's Advisory Council. Our second guest is Dr. Ryan Alcantara. Uh, Ryan has worked in higher education for over 20 years and has been a part of the MCU family for five years. In his role, he oversees key student service departments, student retention, and the student experience. He enjoys the opportunity to work closely with students and prepare them to be successful and engaged alumni. He has worked in a variety of roles within student affairs, and not only at a private institution, but in the California Community College system, uh, the UC and CSU as well. He has also taught at the undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral level, most recently in the areas of leadership, higher education, and public policy. He earned a BS in psychobiology from UC Riverside, an MA in educational leadership from the University of Connecticut, woohoo, go Huskies, and a PhD in public administration from the University of Southern California. Our third guest is Rushni Lal. Uh, Rushni is the Director of Career Planning and Employer Relations uh, and Adjunct Faculty. Rushni has dedicated over 15 years to educating and serving various populations in higher education, K-12, and the U.S. military. In her current role at MCU, she is living out her passion for providing young adults with professional development and experiential education while connecting with a variety of industry professionals and employers, including the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce, uh, throughout Southern California. Previously, she has designed exhibitions for the Smithsonian Institute and the National Institutes of Health, while also serving as a museum educator consultant for middle and high schools in Washington, D.C. Rushni entered the world of higher education as a program manager at the Washington Center for Internships and Academic Seminars, where she traveled to numerous universities across America to promote internship experiences in the nation's capital while also providing career planning and professional development workshops to current interns. From there, Rushni transitioned to serving as a civilian career counselor for the U.S. military service members and their families while living in Seoul, South Korea, and working on the Yongsan Garrison military base. During that time, she also served as an adjunct faculty member teaching cultural anthropology for the University of Maryland Global Campus. Rushni is from Palos Ver Rancho Palos Verdes, earned her BA in anthropology with a minor in Scandinavian studies from UCLA, earned her master's in museum studies from the George Washington University, and is currently working toward earning a PhD in higher education from Claremont Graduate University. I don't know about you, Joe, but I'm feeling like I need to, you know, uh, get a little smarter and read a few more books right now. <laughs> um, I'd like to officially welcome our three guests, um, Brian, Dr. Ryan, and Rushni. Welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you very Good much, morning. Kelly. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, all of you, for joining us today. And, uh, I'm, I'm framing this discussion in the, in the larger context of 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 this pandemic and and whether we start whether we get back but but I want to step back for a moment Brian just to 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 meet I want to meet I want the the listeners to meet Marymount uh, California University when did the university begin and tell us about it. 
Thanks, Joe. Yes, um, I mean we've been around for actually a long time. We we began as a two-year university or two-year college actually in 1968. So we've just passed 50 years of existence. And the the big transition for us after being a two-year college for the first 40 years of that time. Uh, occurred about 10 years ago, a little more than 10 years ago, when we made the choice as a as a board to become a four-year university, and that happened uh, in year 2010. And so we've we've been a four-year university for a relatively short period of time, and yet we we maintain the beautiful location. We sit up on the top of a hill, overlooking Catalina Island. It's a it's a wonderful place, and yet we're a small university. Uh, we do offer both bachelor's degrees and an MBA, uh, so students can come here and be comfortable learn a lot, and prepare themselves for a career uh, of professional service uh, or academic service, whichever they may choose to do. It's a great place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's uh, 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 the the tagline again, Brian? What's the tagline? Small means more. Small means more. Okay. So the the bottom line on, on private education today, Brian, just for us and our conversation going forward, frame for us, you know, uh, these past eight weeks, what have they been like? It's been a little bit surreal, I would say. We had to really kind of pivot on a dime to change from classroom offered courses to online courses. I've been amazed frankly, at how quickly and how efficiently our faculty was able to do that. But it's been different. You know, we're like probably many businesses uh, around Southern California. We do a lot of meetings by uh, telephonic or computer systems. We use Zoom and and Teams uh, technology. But by and large, we have been able to carry on our normal activities. The students have had to also pivot. Uh, Some students reacted very well, very easily to the new environment. Others have struggled a bit. So, you know, we're modifying our programs and we're really looking at at the best practices for online education at this moment. Right. So, uh, uh, Reshni, you've you've spent a career um, giving students sort of a, a a plan or helping them develop uh, a, a plan for their future and their career. And now we see so many students in, in education at the high school level and at the college level that are, that are now uh, many college students uh, we hear are delaying entering college for a year um, because they want to try to get past this. How are, how are you able to, and what are your um, what are your uh, recommendations to students in in these unprecedented times? Sure, thank you. So, I, at this moment, we as a president said are continuing the services that we would normally provide in person as best as we can. So, specifically for our graduating seniors, we normally will host workshops where we invite employers to campus and have info sessions and inform students about the opportunities that are available to them. Fortunately, we were able to continue to hold those workshops via Zoom. So we have employers still connecting with students, informing them that opportunities are still available. It does seem daunting. It seems like, well, how can this be if everything is closing? Uh, Fortunately, the world is able to adjust to remote services because of technology. So there are positions available still. While they are remote at the moment, we are encouraging students to still stay positive. Uh, there are opportunities there. So we still are working with students and connected with these opportunities. And we're also transitioning these students remotely in the sense of let's get used to virtual interviews. This might be the practice for the foreseeable future. So how is the best way to perform on an interview virtually? How can we still look for mm-hmm. positions and jobs? So it's really maintaining this message of positivity 
and um, letting students know we can still make this work. Uh, we just have to change the way we go about it. Mm. Mm. And and Ryan, I, I want to get your uh, take on this too. Uh, student Affairs, Dean of Students, this must be you know, one of the most challenging uh, periods you've ever encountered. Tell us uh, how it fits in your career and how it fits in the life of, uh, of Marymount. Well, um, it certainly is, is challenging, but, but ultimately um, we have, we have staff that have the tools to connect with students the wonderful thing about a place like Marymount is that we are small and able to adapt and adjust um, quickly. Um, we had we had staff calling and reaching out directly individually to the students to see how they are. Um, we, we're not encumbered necessarily by um, system-wide bureaucracy that that directs what we need to do. We can we can look closely at what our needs are. Um, and how do we protect the health and safety of our students and making decisions like uh, while we, we did have to close down the campus, uh, ensuring that students in positions where they, where they couldn't return home or weren't safe in returning home were able to do that. So we're very lucky to have a dedicated staff and faculty who worked really hard to, to maintain those personal connections with students uh, despite having, as, as Brian said, to pivot on a dime. Right, right. Would you, Ryan, would you further uh, maybe even think there is an advantage to being a small private university in this case because you can give more personal service to students? I mean, large campuses must feel extremely large in, the, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, an environment where you can't meet directly with advisors. Sure. Yeah, I think, well, I think it's I think it's a huge a huge benefit for us uh, quite truthfully you know we we have uh again this small means more is really a, almost a lifestyle for us we have the ability in our location to be uh I'll say remote without being isolated it we are not like a a huge uh urban educational facility where people are kind of stacked in on top of one another. We have the ability to be kind of casually uh, located and students can be really comfortable uh, with one another. Yes, we if, if we start up in the fall as we would expect we do, we will. Uh, we will maintain social distancing. We'll do all of the precautions that are necessary, but there won't be a feeling of claustrophobia of uh, being uh, crunched in together. We can spread out, and we have, uh, and Ryan can talk a little bit more about this, we have a residential campus that is remotely located from our academic campus, and it is a townhouse-style living accommodation. And so the students are really, again, kind of spread out, they they have individual two or three bedroom units, kitchens, living rooms, what have you, and it is very comfortable and it gives us the best way to to approach a pandemic like this. We're kind of built to be flexible, and I think that's really an advantage that we have. Wow, yeah, I'd love to hear more about that, Ryan, because that's that's the you know I want to talk about the advantages that Marymount uh, California University brings to this uh, challenges uh, that we have ahead of us because of your flexibility. Sure. Well, and it's that notion of being able to provide social distancing while engaging physically um, on the campus. And so certainly within our um, residential living, as Brian indicated, we have townhomes. And so we have made the decision to, um, because we have two and three bedroom townhomes, the two bedrooms um, share a one and a half bath, the three bedrooms share a one and three quarter bath. And, and typically we'll have, you know, between four and seven students living in each of those townhomes. Um, what we are looking at for the fall is providing uh, only singles and enabling students um, to again, live, uh, live as a community, but uh, be in a space where they feel 
feel safer and they're they're able to maintain mm-hmm. those distances. So it's not like a traditional dormitory. We've got you know uh, twenty to forty people sharing a common bathroom. You you know who your your uh, housemates are, and um, that notion of of you know being right on top of each other just isn't there. And we're looking at creative ways to to provide that that physical distancing in the classroom as classroom experience as well. Wow, that's that's very interesting. So uh, instead of you're saying instead of four or five per townhome, it's going to be a single. Well, forward? singles in a bedroom. So we'll have uh, you okay. know two to three people. So, ah, so you do yes. share a kitchen and a living room. But but you have your room that's that's private. You'll you'll share a bathroom, um, but you'll be able to maintain that physical distancing um, much more easily. Right. Fantastic. Now, right. I have a question. Are all those um, housing uh, units um, vacated now? Like, does everybody have to vacate the living situation and return to, um, you know, their home or go somewhere else? Is the campus com- uh, is the campus and the housing completely empty? The the villas are not completely empty. So typically, what happens at the end of the semester, and we just we we just wrapped up the semester last week, is that students are are required to move out. We may have uh, students that continue into summer school or are working on campus, and those students continue. And so we do have some of those students that that remain on campus. The kind of just the unique situation that we're at, we are working with, with, with students. So we have international students that have uh, delays in their ability to return, and we're, we're trying to provide maximum flexibility to students because, you know, we, we, we understand that these are unique circumstances. Um, but typically, m- students do leave at the end of the, the spring semester, and, um, but like I said, we'll, we'll have some folks that are around, and that's, that's true this year as well. Sure. So I, I'm curious um, to, you know, learn more about the student population, the demographics, you know, where they come. What, what is your average um, normal, you know, uh, headcount for the population there at, at Marymount? Okay. I'll, uh, this is Brian, and I'll, I'll, take, I'll take that one. <clears throat> We've got – right now we, we average about 600-plus, 600 to 650 students, so we're small. We have uh, a capacity of, of slightly greater than that. And our demographics are actually quite widely distributed. We have um, about 43% of our population is Hispanic. We have 22% that are Caucasian or white and about 8% that are African-American. And then the rest are kind of split up uh, amongst various ethnicities. So we have pretty high diversity. In fact, one of the most diverse really in the area in terms of uh, university or college uh, atmospheres. Uh, we're, we're actually really very proud of that. We're, we're split almost in half. It's like uh, 51% female and 49% male. So the demographics are, you know, pretty unique, I think, in terms of many, many uh, colleges and universities. But it's a absolutely friendly sort of environment. Uh, we do have, as I said a little while ago, we have bachelor's degrees. We ha- Well, we actually have AA, BA, BS, and MBA programs. So we're, again, pretty flexible in our uh, curriculum offerings. We also have 16 athletic teams. So those students who really want to come and pursue their passion in athletics, uh, we've got a wide variety of uh, sports that are available, baseball, softball, volleyball, uh, track and field, cross country, tennis, golf. You know, so we have a, I have a number of athletic programs where students who really love their sport can come and, and have a really good, very competitive uh, athletic program under the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics, the NAIA. And um, we're just delighted with that athletic program. It, it brings a lot of students in, and they have a great experience. Wow, I had no idea you had all those sports teams up there. That's amazing. Um, I, I'm curious, <laughs> um, Brian, maybe you can elaborate on 
um, the amount of students, a typical student population that is maybe from Southern California versus other parts of the U.S. versus international. Um, you guys are such a you know a small. Um, uh, unique kind of boutique university with amazing programs. What what is the division of you know how people find you and and where they come from? Yeah, we we're very fortunate in as much as we are uh, predominantly uh, locally populated. Uh, so students who are nearby uh, form about 75% of our student body. We get about 18%, 17% to 18% international students. And then the rest are from, I'll say, a, a gathering radius that is further away uh, with representation from many different parts of the country. But by, by and large, uh, it's local, and, and we're really happy with with that, we we love having international students, and we love having students from other parts of the country. But we think we have a real opportunity for students who have maybe grown up in this area, and particularly now, well, when we're in this pandemic situation, we know a lot of students and a lot of parents, quite truthfully, who are just really, really happy to have their students stay local. And we think that's a big advantage for us. And, you know, we're certainly in a position to do that. Students, if they live within 50 miles or so, they can still potentially go home on a weekend if they want to do that. Uh, we encourage our students, uh, particularly freshmen, we encourage them to come and stay at the villas where they learn uh, a community living situation. Um, that's not required in every case, but we really encourage that. And I think it's going to be even more exciting, frankly, for our students this coming year as we as we shift over to all singles uh, uh, in our housing. So it, it really is a unique situation that we think we're in a really good position to meet the needs needs of our students and, uh, frankly, their families. And you know, small is more, and and uh, stay local. Well, I, I love that. We're we're always saying stay local, and you just um, you perfectly served up my next question. <laughs> uh, that was perfect transition. Um, my next thought and question is, you know, what kind of changes have you seen in your applications that came in this year? Um, are the applications up? Are they down? To your point, is it more locally based? Because I know there's a lot of families um, who are choosing not to send their kid, you know, their students, their young students away um, in the fall. They're holding them for a year to all this calms down. Um, I personally, my youngest son um, goes to University of Connecticut, and uh, he has been home for a couple months. Um, you know, they've been doing online. Uh, his summer school class is online. He's going back in the fall for his last year um but you know you you hear a lot of chatter and just in the you know high school graduating parents are talking about it too so with regards to marymount california university what has your application walk us through a, a normal year of how many applications you know you receive um and what you're what you're seeing now Okay, well, let me let me take a, a quick shot at it, and then uh, I'll, I'll ask uh, Ryan uh, to to jump in as well. Uh, our applications are actually down a little bit this uh, semester, uh, or the for the coming semester, I should, should say, in the fall. I think it's a pretty common trend throughout the United States right now that uh, applications are down, and we're seeing that. The flip side of that that is very positive for us, we're seeing what we call the conversion rate, and the conversion rate of applications to enrollments is actually uh, on the uptick right now. So I think what we saw and what we have seen to some extent is just a reluctance on the part of students and probably their families to make absolute commitments as the coronavirus pandemic 
continues on, frankly. There's just uncertainty in the system, and I think this is throughout the country. And I think what we're seeing right now is we're starting to see a little bit of a pickup as students are starting to say, well, what am I going to do for the fall? And we think we have a a great offering for those students. We can give them a great education, and they can have a really good experience. Ryan, do you want to uh, talk a little bit more about that? Um, Certainly. The you know, and, and it is it is a challenging time in terms of uh, students wanting to get um, some additional information, and, and that's been an important piece for us to to look at what our options are going into the into the fall. I'll, I'll say the international population is particularly hard pressed just in in terms of understanding where, where visas are at, um, but you know we've been carefully from the university perspective going through the, the process of, of sorting through all this uncertainty to help develop a, a clear plan that we can then communicate to students uh, to help them to, to inform them to make an educated choice in terms of what they can expect in, in terms of the fall experience. But I think it's, it's so important, um, especially in a time of crisis like, like this, that you know, we're not, as a society, in a position to defer our dreams, um, and certainly there's there's a four years of a college experience that uh, prepares you for the next step, and it, it would it would be unfortunate to 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 see lots of people deferring and and holding on uh, to that next step that delays them for that the the step that precedes that. I like that. Don't defer your dream. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I just wrote that one down. That's that's um, a really interesting and very powerful statement. I let's uh, take that. Don't defer your dream and pivot into your graduating seniors and how you know uh, how are you handling graduation and how are you encouraging them not to defer their dream of you know finding their first job and uh, and launching out into the community. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce this, and then both Rajni and, and Ryan can also talk about it. We, we have deferred our graduation ceremony. It would normally have been last Saturday, and so it was a little bit of a downer for us, I'll have to say, to not have that ceremony. Uh, we would normally have a crowd of maybe 2,200 people at graduation, and to not be able to do that and celebrate well, we sit in the sunshine and overlook Catalina is a pretty disappointing thing. But what we are doing is we're having a lot of communication with our students where we've still issued all of them uh, their graduation regalia, uh, giving some opportunities for those uh, students to make plans to come up to the campus by appointment, unfortunately, right now, to come up and take some photographs and, and commemorate the time for them. And we're doing a lot of, uh, I'll just say, remote video-type presentations, both by faculty and staff to the students, and we'll be having some award ceremonies uh, over the next couple of days, and uh, we're still trying to carry on some normal activity without uh, being able to be together. Uh, Ryan? Sure. So, so yes, you know, it, it is unfortunate, but our intent is to, to celebrate as a community when we're able to and in the meantime, provide students the opportunity to um, to at least virtually connect. So, uh, you know, we've we've got the hashtag as a lot of campuses do, and with, with students taking pictures and at, at the very least celebrating with their families because obviously it's it's an incredible achievement. In terms of kind of next steps, and and that's that's an important consideration, and I, I certainly want Rushdie to to join. In this, but one of the things that we do as a campus is uh, continue to support uh, students as they become alumni in terms of uh, career resources and uh, career support. So, you know, that will be an important piece as as the economy opens up and our graduates now, um, you know, may it may take take a, a bit longer to um, uh, 
to navigate that job search process. But we have pivoted mm-hmm. to um, remote programming, and it's been an opportunity to continue to engage our, our alums in um, conversations with our undergraduate students, positive as well. Rushi, do you want to talk more about that? Yes, sure. Um, so as Ryan mentioned, we do continue to serve our alumni. And in one of the ways that we do that, we do offer free forever lifetime access to alumni services. Um, so we have alumni who still contact us maybe 10 years after they've graduated, and we're more than happy to assist them, whether it's with having a whole different career um, or if they just want to spruce up their resume or perhaps they do want to know what's the latest trend in interviewing. So we are there to assist our alumni in any way, shape, or form that we can, whether it is for their own professional development and career enhancement or also to bring them back to campus to connect with our students and to pair them up so that they can have a type of mentor to help assist them along the way. And so we are working with our students in that manner. I do want to say that our employer partners, such as the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce, have been excellent throughout this process with us, um, including to transition our interns remotely to ensure that we did not lose um, internships or have canceled internships. We are very grateful for that, especially for our graduating seniors who are finishing up their internships. And that because we are a small university, we do have these close-knit connections and these community ties. And um, in that regard, we are unique because we have these relationships with employers where we are able to make these direct connections with students, whereas it might be difficult to apply to a position one out of 100 resumes. Um, if you're going through us in the Career Center, we are able to make that connection around us. And so you are ensured that you have that already established relationship. Joe, are you still there? Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I know. I've been asking a lot of questions, but I'm sure you have well, something to offer. <laughs> You've done an excellent job. I mean, this is the thing with with educational institutions today is is now people want to know the 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 ways in which they can engage and and of course the existing students at Marymount uh, California. I I'm sure. Uh, feel very loved and touched, but for new people who are not, you know, do not know about Marymount and are looking for a university for their young child now, I think the proximity here in the South Bay is just, it's just so amazing. You guys are are one of the the closest uh, small universities to the South Bay here, so it's important for us and our, our listeners to hear um, you're looking forward to uh, matriculating new students. What's the process for getting involved? Who do, who do we contact? Rushni? In terms of wanting to uh, matriculate to the university, is that the question, yeah. if I'm understanding yeah. correctly? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you definitely reach out to our admissions team. Uh, they've been mm-hmm. working very hard to continue recruiting remotely and holding uh, a preview day so that community members and their families can still take part and ask questions as they normally would if they were to visit campus. I know um, Ryan can speak more about uh, admissions and reaching out, but in terms of contemplating, do I want to take a year or do I want to start college as I had hoped to and initially planned to with the to staying local, just to send a message, as you asked me earlier, uh, what would you say to a student who's contemplating a high school senior contemplating going to college, there was a sense of trying to maintain a routine, as difficult as that was, uh, but we were able to do that with continuing to hold our courses and, and instruct that way and continuing our programs. We wanted to give students a sense of everything still here. You can still maintain this routine, and when you come, and if you come, when you come to Marymount, those services will continue. That one-on-one interaction and connection is going to continue. We will try to be there for you to make this transition as smoothly as possible, especially given these times that we're encountering right now. Um, um, but specifically, how to reach out and get in touch. I'll let Ryan answer that one. Sure. So students can apply. We continue to accept applications, and our website is marymountcalifornia.edu. Um, applications are, are being accepted. We have uh, 
um, admissions representatives that are available to speak with students. Um, we do, we are, in terms of working with, with newly admitted students, uh, newly admitted students will begin being able to register for classes in June. So for those that are comp contemplating or interested, um, you know, they're still, they're, they've got time in the, the summer to go through that process, but we certainly want to help guide them and kind of work through what their options of, of what classes are going to look like. Um, we are mm -hmm. holding gatherings both for for new students as well as continuing students uh, in terms of conversations of, of what the fall will look like as, as, as we uh, work with the you know county and within county and state regulations but it, it certainly becomes a really important question of of how does that experience um how will that experience be be laid out uh, at least for the um for the fall semester mm -hmm. um i i have a question about trends in I guess education and in what the focus of major uh, that are being chosen these days, uh, and not just necessarily right now, but like in the last couple of years, and 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 where you're headed, uh, what what you see at the university. I noticed um, you offer an array, a vast array of majors, um, master programs, other things. Uh, cybersecurity always gets my attention when I see that offered. Uh, that's kind of a new trending um, program at a lot of universities. I know Cal State Dominguez Hills offers that also. Um, I'm noticing you guys, you know, also offered at Marymount um, Forensics. What, what, you know, as far as um, – I guess not only just applications, but then what the students, you know, evolve into when they're there. What are some of those new emerging, you know, trends and majors that you have been seeing in the last couple of years and then kind of going forward? Well, let, let me let me uh, start this. And again, uh, Roshni and uh, Ryan can jump in as well. You know, our, our majors, I'll just go through the ones that are uh, attracting the most attention. Uh, mm -hmm. Number one really is business. And in in the business curriculum, we have a lot of interest by our students, not only in business in general, but some of the the uh, accounting, yes, and marketing is a new program for us. Those are really popular programs. But entrepreneurship is very high on the list of student uh, interest. Uh, students, frankly, want to get into their own businesses. They want to work in an entrepreneurial uh, environment, and we really try and concentrate on that. And it's a, it's a good program for our students to really learn a lot about business, about accounting, about what is necessary to be successful at business. So I think a lot of students come in with the idea thinking, oh, I've just got a great idea. I can make a company out of this. But what, they're, what they find is how to do that. You know, what does it mean? What does it mean to get patents? And how, do, how does that look? And what do I have to do to bring my idea to reality? So business is, is the number one uh, most popular. Interestingly enough, uh, for our student population, criminal justice is very popular with our students, and our students have been very successful in getting uh, professions in the criminal justice system, whether that be in law enforcement, homeland security. We have students who have been working to get positions with the FBI. Uh, there's, there's just a wide variety, and we also have, of course, the, the Port Authority here uh, that relies upon uh, the law enforcement uh, sector. So those are very popular. Biology is growing in popularity uh, a lot for us right now. Psychology is very, very popular. And what we offer uh, is uh, kind of unique in a lot of ways, and, and it takes a lot of work on the part of our students. But if they commit to it, and if they follow the program, we can really guarantee Again, that this, if the students do their work, that they will get their bachelor's degree in four years, which is a real plus. This doesn't have to drag on ad infinitum. The other thing that we can do with our MBA is we offer, offer our MBA to all undergraduate uh, uh, degrees. And again, if a student really plans their schedule appropriately and commits themselves to it, we can get a BA, BS, an MBA in five years, and that in itself is a is a real positive advantage. Uh, 
Uh, Ryan, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it. If you kind of look at that building block sequence, um, in addition to the MBA and the, the BA, students also earn an AA in progress. So, if students are interested in using uh, degrees as um, an indication of kind of the the, the different areas of, of specialization, um, you know, a student can can do that with a biology and complement that, uh, a, um, say, a, a biology um, AA and, and complemented that with with a, um, uh, a business BA. And it provides an interesting message uh, to an employer that, you know, these are the emphases that I played in, in addition to students being able to do a, a double major, a major, and a minor. So it's, it, it's really, I mean, at this point, you know, making that combination of, of coursework to complement your interests uh, to help prepare you for, uh, for the job market. Um, but I would agree, you know, the, the business courses are, are really interesting, um, strong interest, very popular with our students. Um, but that combination with, with the BA works with a lot of our majors. Uh, and students are able to take up to 10 units as an undergraduate, and that does cut down the time to earn a com- combined BA, uh, MBA. And I'll just jump in, too, and say that with regard to employers and emerging trends, as you asked about, Kelly, what are we seeing in terms of emerging majors, but also what employers are looking for? We also have a digital communication media program, mm-hmm. and so students here can learn how to do video production, video editing and production. There's also an emphasis of social media and marketing. So this is always a large emerging trend, of course, and employers are actively seeking out the youth who have seemed to grow up in this <laughs> environment hmm. and are looking to those skills and talents and abilities. And so we are able to offer that to our community partners as well by way of this major that we have. Uh, well, yeah, very, in- very interesting. Uh, it's interesting also to hear, uh, Rashni, you speak of, you know, what the um, employment market is looking for too, not just what maybe is attractive to a student applying, but thinking beyond that and when they do, you know, what's attractive in the recruiting process in the job market of what the employers are looking for too. It's so important that uh, I get the sense that you um, all do an amazing job of preparing every one of your students for um, not just the real world, but but the the job marketplace and and beyond, and then the way you wrap your arms around and encourage alumni to stay active and come back. It's um, what a um, what a fantastic um, program, and uh, one more wonderful thing that we have in the South Bay. <laughs> I I cannot wait. I have not visited the campus, but I am looking forward to it. Uh, it does sound beautiful, and when you think, Brian, of uh, the the opportunities lying ahead, give us give us a little uh, view into the future for Marymount uh, California University. What what are some of uh, the exciting uh, programs and and uh, initiatives that you're planning? The uh, couple of things that just uh, immediately come to mind, and that is the addition in the fall, this coming fall of a new marketing degree. Uh, we think that's going to be very exciting for our students and for our uh, local employment. Uh, opportunities. So that's a, that's a big one. The other thing that we are doing to encourage our students to really excel is we're offering a new honors program that will allow our students to, with a 3.5 uh, grade point average or greater, to uh, participate in some additional programs uh, in the honors program, which will give them access to some new course materials that, uh, such as uh, and we have one course that's coming up that's called A Thirsty Planet to to help educate our students on the, I'll say, the politics and the governance of water. And uh, these types of programs in our honors programs will be an additional challenge and an additional, I think, enjoyment educationally for our students. And so um, 
another one that might be of interest to your listeners, and that is uh, California in the global community, uh, just to help our students get in tune with the economies and the financial arrangements of, of what this Southern California area brings to us. So there are a lot of new things that are in the works. We've, we've uh, I'll just quickly say, we've also established a, uh, in, a, in our athletic program, we've established a program in eSports. So that's electronic gaming, where under under the uh, collegiate inter, intercollegiate athletics, we can compete against other universities in esports. It's a growing trend, very exciting, and it's a new program for us last fall, and it's really uh, picking up speed right now. So we've got a lot of new things that we're doing. That's fantastic. That's exciting. Okay. So if I were a new student, I would be excited. Uh, or a, a parent looking at a, a small local uh, private uh, education, uh, that would be exciting uh, to look at the possibilities. Thank you so much, Brian, Ryan, and Rushni. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our pleasure. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Kelly, what a, a, a great, you know, as you say, uh, one of those gems in the South Bay. It is. Um, thank you, Brian, Ryan, and Rushni for joining us and taking the time. I, uh, we love learning as much as you love um, teaching <laughs> up there. So thank you for sharing all this amazing information with us. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That's our show for today. Uh, have a wonderful Tuesday and find a beach that's open, but do not stop. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Uh, bye, Kelly. We'll see you on Friday. Thank you, Joe. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.